So tonight I've been challenged to uh, complete the series, Set Thine House in Order. Um, although I've been challenged to complete it, I don't know what, le- what there is left to say. Pastor has said so much with all of his uh, wonderful message and words. There is definitely no reason that we uh, should not be an orderly bunch. That's for sure, right? We have heard the word, and we should be an orderly people. That's for sure. Um, I was counting, and there are 49 points that Pastor has made in the last three weeks on it ordering, uh, setting our house in order throughout this sanctuary series. 49 points, emphasizing the purpose and the importance of an ordered life. These lessons have strengthened us individually, uh, which ultimately um, contributes to the health of the entire body of the church. But we've got a span of people, so I'm going to scan back and forth like this. We're all spread out tonight. Um, or I may just try to, try to stay focused here, not to leave anyone out. But um, ultimately, when we become ordered in our personal lives, it bleeds over, it flows over into the order of the church, the church body. As we know, cultivating a structured life demands effort and purposeful actions. This is the part that we must take accountability for. That's our spiritual growth. We've been taught and it's our responsibility to adapt our lives to the word. These practical teachings that, uh, pastor has been teaching on ordering our lives has aligned so perfectly with God's divine plan. How many of you know that we serve a God of order, right? Absolutely we do. Consider this. God would not have ordered our body, your body, and the universe with such precision, yet not have a requirement for how we are to live. He ordered the construction of the ark, which is a type of the church, God ordered the tabernacle of Moses to protect the holy things of God and to guide men and instruct on how to enter into his presence. He's an orderly God. God ordered the family with structure and headship. He ordered the church with different ministries for the health of the body. I believe that he's gone as far to order our particular congregation Everything we need, and we've been taught this, everything we need is right here. I believe the Lord has ordered the body of the church to heal itself, to take care of itself. That's how orderly God is. And I also believe that he's ordered his word. He's ordered the Bible. His word, in, he's ordered it, and he's preserved it. God's, God's word, his breath, the book is in order. It's not random. The times and seasons are ordered, and church family, we cannot live out of order and be aligned with the God of order. If we want to be aligned with a God of order, then we must live our own lives in order. So, I know that I don't need to remind you of how disorderly and confused our world is today. I think that's pretty evident, right? The message of setting our house in order is more relevant than ever before. It's more needful and more purposeful than ever before. Um, In Pastor's 49 points, I called it, I I teased him and told him it was his 49 thesis. He emphasized order in so many pragmatic ways. 
Uh, he began with decluttering our homes. That stepped on my toes, right? How many of you went home and decluttered your house, right? All of those. He talked about, does every drawer have to be a, what did he call it? A, a junk drawer? Does every drawer have to be a junk drawer? I wanted to go home and clean out drawers. Um, he spoke about ordering our emotions. Oh, it's so important to order our emotions, be in control. Ordering our relationships. Structuring our lives in a way that we make room for spiritual endeavors. He spoke about ordering our physical lives and recognizing that our bodies are the temple of God. We must guard our health and ultimately guard our hearts. I believe he covered it all. He left no stone unturned and then asked me to finish it on the fourth lesson. No detail was overlooked in his teaching. The theme of order, if you know him, the theme of order has been at the core of his teaching, not just for these three weeks. Order has been the core of his teaching for the last two decades. He has made a call to embrace orderliness and responsible living from the beginning of our ministry, from the beginning of our ministry here at New Life. Not only has he taught us, but he has lived this way. I was reflecting on when I was expecting Roman uh, in the hospital. I uh, woke up early and I said, you know, I think we're ready. I think this is the day. And immediately he began organizing the the hotel, the hospital room. He started putting everything in order, cleaning the hospital room. And I said, no, we're having a baby. (laughs) He began to put things in order. This is just his life. His mom tells the story of him being ordered. Lessons that he's taught us for the last 20 years. Order precedes the miracle. How about that? Do you remember that? Jesus put the people in order before multiplying the food. I'm talking about lessons and messages and the word that has gone forth from this podium and from across the street and many other platforms about setting our lives in order. Um, I remember, recall a message called vacuuming the brown carpet, caring for what God has put in our very own possession. Another message years ago he would preach was called, some assembly is required. Assembling ourselves together Ordering our relationships with one another within the church. um, Ordering our private world. So I want to say, if you've not had the opportunity to listen to the past three Wednesday night teachings, please go back and listen to the archived messages online. I really believe that these are foundational as we move forward in growing. I think that um, something I teach my kids, I can't spend my time constantly teaching you, go brush your teeth, go do this, the foundational, go make your bed. We've got to conquer that and move forward to some other learning. So that's where we're at tonight. Please, if you've not had a chance, take it upon yourself, own it, and go listen to those three messages that precede this message tonight. We must establish our foundation. So tonight... I'm just another voice echoing the same words or the words that have been shared, the message that has been delivered. I'm a sequel, a continuation of the past three Wednesday night lessons, yet I have a strong, compelling burden to share along with that. I actually told him that I have a word, and then I regretted ever saying that. I did, (laughs) truthfully. Truthfully. 
I want to share tonight the urgency of the why. It's so important that we set our house in order. Yes, these teachings were meant to strengthen us, give us direction. But in the end, they are meant to prepare us for the greatest transition of all. You do know that this is not our final destination, right? We are but practicing right here what we will be called to do for eternity one day. There is an eternity that we will spend somewhere one day. And tonight I just have three points. I don't have 49. I have three. I want to talk about, I want to review ordering our natural life. I'm going to review some things that pastor has already spoken. I'm going to talk about ordering our soul. And then I want to talk about ordering our destination, if you would allow me. Um, Ordering the natural life. This is not new. This is what we just learned the last few weeks. Pragmatic living aligns with spiritual living. Do you believe that? It's true. They go hand in hand. It seems impossible that we could be out of order in our everyday life, yet please God in our spiritual life. Maybe it could be done. I don't advise anyone, and I certainly don't want to live that way. I don't want to live that way, out of order in my everyday life and think that I could be a spiritual being. That's not what I want. But ordering our natural life begins with peace and contentment. This is just a review. Proverbs says it reminds us that a heart of peace gives life to the body. When we live in an orderly manner, our heart and mind experience peace, leading to a deep sense of contentment, giving duration, giving stamina and vitality to the body. Who would have thought that peaceful living could be the best vitamin we could ever take? What gives us vitality? A heart of peace. A heart in order. One that holds no grudges. A heart that has no ill feelings toward others. A heart with no guile. No deception. A pure heart gives life to the body. Another lesson that we learned over the last three weeks was margins. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of our lives. Living an orderly life allows us to be receptive to God's guidance, knowing that he is actively involved in every detail of our life. Don't you know that the Lord cares about everything that we go through? And when we live orderly, allowing these margins that Pastor spoke about, Moments where God can speak to us, margins, that's these quiet moments in our lives where we can hear the voice of God so he can direct our steps. When we live a life with margins, that's when God can bless us. The scripture says he directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of our life. So margins mean space. I taught this even today in my English class with my uh, seventh graders um, about margins, writing a paper, and what are the margins. And, of course, then they flipped it on me and gave me a biology lesson that Sister Angie had taught them on the margins of a leaf. Who would have thought, right? Um, Margins mean the quiet time, the peace 
and the meditations of our hearts. So when we're talking about living a natural, ordered life, we have been encouraged to make sure we allow room for those margins in our life, those quiet moments. Philippians 4, whatsoever things are pure and lovely and just, the Bible teaches us to dwell on these things, think on these things. This thinking and this happening happens in the margins of our life. No margins is a scattered life. No margins mean we are unable to be still and know that he is in control. You know, this is, I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching my own message here. There's a difference between being a hard worker and being busy. Mary and Martha's busyness takes us away. That type of busyness takes us away from the feet of the Lord. When we're not at the feet of Jesus, we become carnal, worldly. We begin to justify our busyness. We can't participate in things of God because our our family schedule, school schedule, sports schedule, we've allowed no margins in our life. So I'm going to present, or I'm just going to give a review of what pastor has been teaching us. If we want an orderly life, we want our natural life to be in order, allow for some margins in your life. Allow for some quiet time in your home. I know my kids will say, "That's I'm bored. That's where great thoughts come when you're bored. Just sit there, be still, and let the Lord do do a work. Uh, Routines. Proverbs tells us the soul of the diligent is made rich. An orderly life fosters diligence, which often leads to productivity and prosperity in various aspects of our lives. Routines equal diligence. A repeated discipline. That's what a routine is. We have them. Every one of us have things that you do every day. You get up, you get dressed, you take medication, you go to work, we make our beds. This is these are routines, and there's, there's something about order in a routine. This is the diligent work. The Jews had disciplines. The chosen people of God, they had disciplines. They had routines. Um, their routines reminded them of what God had done in their life. They scheduled routine services, routine events to maintain the remembrance of what God had done. Sunday worship is a routine. I'm speaking to my church family, Sunday worship. It should never be a surprise to our families that we're going to be attending Sunday or midweek service. That should be our routine, right? We're talking about ordering our natural life, preparing on Saturday evening for Sunday worship. That's just a routine. When I had littles in the home, it was ironing and preparing for the Sunday. Bedtime was a routine Um, that was so important. It still is important. Uh, Pastor talked about ordering our relationships over this this series. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says, Let all things be done decently and in order. This extends to our interactions with others. Orderliness and structure in a relationship leads to healthier, more harmonious connections. Who is your Paul? Who is your Barnabas? Who is your Timothy? Who is the one that speaks into your life? Who do you share life with? That's your Barnabas. And who are you mentoring? That's your Timothy. We're talking about ordering your relationships, getting a good grasp of that in your life. Toxic, unhealthy relationships, purge them, beware. Ordering our spiritual life. Uh, 1 Corinthians says that God is not a God of disorder, but a, a God of peace. And God is a 
but of peace. When our lives are in order, we create an environment conducive to spiritual growth, enabling us to draw closer to God. Order your spiritual life. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to order my own spiritual life. The scripture says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit. Internal growth. This is the point. This has to do with our relationship with God. It's a daily, a daily walk. The question is whether, the question is whether or not the Bible is our bread. When do we eat the bread of life? When do we order our personal study of the scripture? The Lord has given us teachers, great teachers in this, in this congregation. We have so many Bible teachers. But it is not Brother Foster's responsibility or our leaders to break the bread for us for our daily, on our daily time. I love what Sister Anita has, uh, the phone call where you can call in and read the word together. That's wonderful. But we have to make sure we are responsible for our spiritual growth. I, I challenged when my son said he wanted to go to Bible, uh, Bible school, and he told me the Lord was dealing with his heart. I just kind of had to under my, just kind of take a deep breath. I pulled him aside and said, surely, and I thought, just let me just go through these checkpoints. Surely, you've learned all of your books of the Bible. Surely, you know the Bible stories by now. Surely, you can quote our apostolic doctrine. That's just the mama in me. I had to realize if I'm going to set him loose, I had to make sure that, that he had done this type of spiritual growth for himself. This is ordering our spiritual life. And he said, yes, mom. Yes, mom. Yes, mom. Done. Check. But he's still growing and we're still growing. We can't just check it and be done. It's a continual uh, way of life growing. And one more thing I want to review is the witness and the influence. A well-ordered life can serve as a powerful testimony to others. So these are sub points. I said I only had three points. These are sub points to my three main points. How about that? A well-ordered life can serve as a powerful testimony to others. Uh, Matthew says, Matthew encourages us to let your light shine before others that they may see your good works, your good deeds, and glorify the Father in heaven. When others see the positive effects of orderliness orderliness in your own lives, they're going to be inspired to the similar similar path. I've seen it. Uh, One of our young mothers um, has babies in the home. She had a guest that just visited her, and then, and this lady needed some order in her life. She was going through some troubling time, and she was staying in one of our church family members' home that had littles in the home. And all this lady kept saying, it was her aunt, all she kept saying was, there's such peace. She said, I was nervous about coming because you had so many littles, but there's such peace in your home. That's the example that we should all be. That's what our homes should be to everyone. The testimony is inhibited by a lack of structure. Why? Our testimony is inhibited. Because intention is not the same as doing. This is the reason why Jesus said, be doers and not hearers only. We must have a heart of intention. But James said, faith without works is dead. We must live a life, a well-ordered life, so that we can be a witness and influence to others. To witness means that our lives are, have structure and order enough to know that we can say and seek opportunity to say it. Um, our home should be filled with the peace of God. This is a true witness. I want to talk now, my, this, this is now going right into my, my, where my heart is. I wanted to lay the foundation of an orderly natural living 
But this is what the Lord spoke to me about sharing with you tonight. My second point here, ordering our soul. A pragmatic life of order contributes to a well-ordered soul. Just as we are individually responsible for setting our personal lives in order, we are responsible for getting our soul in order. We learn from Hezekiah's warning. That was the theme of this um, the theme of this series, that his life was coming to an end. There is an appointed time for each of us. A time of end will come to us all. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to be born and a time to die. Hebrews says, and just as, is it, as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. We're not given. We don't know how long on earth we are promised. We don't know. There's no certainty that we may, something might happen tomorrow. I want to talk about ordering our soul. This is my burden. This very, this verse recounts a moment in the life of Hezekiah when he fell seriously ill. The prophet Isaiah, Isaiah delivered a message from the Lord to him. The message was a warning that he would not recover from this illness and should prepare his affairs before he was going to die. Pastor talked about this. He said, what a blessing it is for us to be given, or for him to be given that warning. Each of us have been given the same opportunity to get our own lives in order, to order our own souls. We must understand this encounter serves as a significant Bible example of the importance of setting our life in order. We've strongly considered the ordering of our natural lives. But now tonight, I want us to consider ordering the considering our own mortality. Consider we all have an appointed time, and after that time comes judgment. I'm recalling Reagan's uh, passionate message on Sunday. These messengers are, are going hand in hand. What he spoke so passionately when I sat on the second row and went, slow down, slow down. I knew it was passionate, but I wanted everyone to hear it. Uh, Because I heard it. When he spoke it, I heard it. He said, the battles we're facing individually and as a church family are not earthly or natural, but they're spiritual attacks meant to shake the faith of the body. God is calling us out of carnal mentalities and into spiritual authority. The carnality of our lives is causing disruptions in our living disruptions. It's time that we recognize the spiritual warfare taking place. It's not strange that these major battles we're facing are coming at this pivotal time of transition. These were his words. He said, it's not strange that these major battles are coming at this pivotal time of transition. He continued to say, these battles are not natural forces of life, but attacks of the enemy, and we must treat them as so. We're not going to recognize the spiritual Warfare. We're not going to recognize it if we're not spiritually minded. If our soul is not ordered, we're just going to try to fight it with natural resources and it's not going to happen. We have an understanding of how to deal with natural disruptions, right? This is what we've been teaching. Declutter our home, routines, guard our relationships, control our emotions, structure our lives with margins, spiritual endeavors, eat healthy. Those are Those are natural ways to combat. While we recognize the enemy's devices, 
We must leave no room for him. We must set our lives in order so that we can be spiritually minded to fight with spiritual authority. I'm speaking about a well-ordered soul. To achieve a well-ordered soul, we must purge carnality. Ephesians 5 says, be very careful then how you live. Don't live as unwise, but live as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You know that's where we're living, right? We are living in such a sick world. It's evil. It's sad. We have to be carnal. We have to purge carnality and be spiritually minded. We transition from carnal carnal thoughts to spiritual dominion when we are spiritually minded. Romans 8 says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We are being called out of carnal thoughts, called out of carnal living and into spiritual dominion. We are being called out of worldly acceptance of sickness. This was the Sunday message. Don't accept this worldly concept of sickness called out of that state of contentment. We're not going to accept that we're going to be content in lukewarm living. The Lord is calling us out of that. That's what this is about. Order your souls tonight. The natural man does not receive the things of the spirit for they're foolish to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. It will take a spiritual mind to recognize the wiles of the enemy, the evil times, The scripture says in another version, look carefully then how you walk. Don't walk as the unwise, but walk as the wise. Making the best use of of time because the day is evil. I'm imploring you as an individual and as a church body that we become spiritually minded instead of carnal minded. That means daily Bible reading, scheduled prayer time. Being in continual prayer throughout the day. Personal spiritual growth outside of Sunday morning. Teach the word. Know the doctrine. Be able to defend your faith. Think on godly things. Guard your mind. And most of all, guard your heart. A well-ordered soul leads us to ordering our destination. That's my third point. Ordering our destination. Why the order? Yes, it brings blessings. It brings structure. It brings contentment and peace. But my burden, as I shared, is is the ultimate reason we must have order. The ultimate reason is preparation. The ultimate reason that we prepare and have order is so that we can be prepared for our final destination. Why was it so important for Hezekiah to set his house in order? The Lord, do you really think that he extended his life just so he could live peacefully? Do you really think that he extended, that God extended Hezekiah's life? He told him to get his house in order. But do you think that it was so that he could sit back and enjoy a beautiful edifice, a clean edifice of order? No, He wanted his soul to be saved because he was about to die. His life was coming to an end and he would slip off into eternity forever. Each of us will be faced with death one day. I'm so thankful the Lord is giving each of us the opportunity to set our lives in order. I've been consumed here lately with this word, eternity, eternal. I weep when I hear that someone has passed away 
and slipped off into eternity forever. I feel like we get too comfortable with this. We see it. We hear it. They're gone forever. It's real. It's gripping. However, there, has been tear, there, there have been tears of joy in my life when I know they're gone forever. My dear friend Amy, but oh, do I know she was prepared. Those are tears of joy. Yes, we're going to miss her. Yes, we're, she's gone. But she prepared her. She ordered her destination. She prepared herself. And when you know that someone has prepared and ordered their destination, it changes the way we feel. Eternity is forever. We must get our soul in order for this great transition. The seasons of our lives are filled with moments of transition. At Life Academy, we celebrate with our young mothers this year who dropped their children off for preschool. We celebrate graduation from our, with our middle school students going to high school. We celebrate high school to college. These are wonderful transitions. Yet it seems so little emphasis is put on the transition of our final destination. Ordering our destination. The most critical and important transition is not from preschool to kindergarten. Sorry. It's not from high school to college college to career. It's not from being single to being married, although that is a big one. It's not from career to retirement, although I hope that we are all prepared. The greatest transition is from this life to eternity. Parents pay big big money. They're on waiting lists. For their time for the baby to be born, just to put from the time the children are born to put that baby in a popular preschool. We had the waiting list at Little Life. They would call the unborn baby, but I want to get on the waiting list. Some people take time to prepare their children to play sports because they have a special skill or they feel promised, oh, they're going to be this grand ball player. Some spend thousands of dollars on wedding days, hundreds of hours of work. On one day of celebration, pictures, videos, flowers, I love it. It's so enjoyable. I just don't want us to miss what the most important transition of life is. Some spend years building their resume, another degree, another certification. While there is value, let's not fail to give attention to the greatest transition, which is making certain that our soul is prepared for eternity. Failing at the end, that would be the worst tragedy of all. And we have been given opportunity after opportunity. How many have cried and said, if only I had known I would have stayed in college longer. If only I had known I would have saved money earlier. I would have prepared my children a little bit better for what they're facing in life now. Many have regrets because they see what they missed and wish that they had done better. I pray to God that's not our our prayers at the end of life. How much more weight of eternity? Forever. It's not just a long time. Do you realize that? Forever. It seems forever, and it does seem like a long time. It's not a long time. It's endless. Forever has no ending. It's endless. 
A well-ordered soul contributes to setting your house in order for eternity. The urgency of setting our lives in order cannot be overstated. The world will end. Heaven and hell are real destinations. I pray that you take this message to heart. Prepare for eternity. Having peace and security, knowing that you have prepared a well-ordered soul and had ordered and have ordered your destination, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. We will be judged by our living. Take this time to shift from carnality to spiritual living. Eternity is real. We will spend forever in a final destination. I'm praying tonight that you would order your destination. Brother uh, McLeod, would you please just come end us, wrap this up. But while he's coming, I want to share something with you. It's a poem. And yes, I say that funny because I am from the South. Um, Just listen to this, if you will. Thus to obey hath been our way. Let our good deeds, we pray. This is a point from an honest, this is an honest man's plea for eternity. I'll start over. Thus to obey hath been our way. Let our good deeds, we pray, find some regard and some reward with thee, Lord, this eternal day. And whereas we transgressors be of Adam's race were none, know not the best, but have confessed themselves to have misdone. To whom the Lord replied, thus in a word, returns a short reply. I never knew any of you that wrought iniquity. You say you've been my presence in, but then how came you there with raiment vile that did defile a quite disgrace my cheer and quite disgrace my cheer. A wondrous crowd then gan aloud, Thus for themselves to say, we did indeed, Lord, to amend. We did intend, Lord, to amend and to reform our ways. Our true intent was to repent and make our peace with thee. But sudden death, stopping our breath, left us no liberty. Too many have slipped off into eternity without a well-ordered soul without ordering their destination. Let it not be said of us. Let's take the time to set our house in order. We've been given sacred opportunities. Purge carnality. Purge good intentions. Let's be spiritually minded, seeking God and ordering our destination. In Jesus' name, I would like for Brother McLeod, come lead us in prayer or any word that you would share, would like to share. didn't mean for that to rhyme. Let's stand together. There's a little weight in the sanctuary right now, and that's not a bad thing. When we talk about eternity, we should feel that. The parables teach us that there was a coin lost in the house. So that means it's possible to be in the house and still be lost. And thank God if you're here tonight and you're not lost, but we're surrounded by 100,000 people that are, we should feel a little weight right now.
When I was in San Francisco in May, I was preaching for Bishop Morgan, and I'd heard him reference this story many times, and so I'd asked him about it, for the context behind it. And he said many years ago in his ministry, and some of the elders here maybe recall Brother Mark Morgan's preaching 20 years ago, he preaches very different now than he used to. And I had inquired, he said, many years ago I had a dream, and he said, in the dream I was preaching, and he said, I peered over the edge of the pulpit, and he said, I could see a man reaching to try to grip the top of the pulpit, but he was slipping into eternity. And he said, when I looked at the man, he was saying to me, you have to do more than preach to me, preacher, you have to reach me, you have to minister to me. He said, that was the moment I realized that just being a good preacher wasn't enough. He said, it troubled me for years, and he was preaching a revival uh, somewhere in Texas, if my memory's correct. And he said, it was the second week of the revival, and I was getting ready for church, and he said, there was a camper trailer parked next to ours in the RV park. And he said, I saw the man come out early that morning, and I said, sir, uh, would you like to come to church with me today? And he said, oh, preacher, I, I wish you would have asked me sooner. He said, my, my girlfriend and I are just actually getting ready to load up my trailer. We're pulling out of town. But he said, my life's really in a mess. He said, I wish you would ask me sooner because he said, we really do need help. But we're just getting ready to pull out of town. And Brother Morgan said, I asked him, well, where are you heading? He said, well, I'm going to Lake Charles, Louisiana. Brother Morgan said, I looked up. The phone number for Pastor Merle Ewing, who was in Lake Charles and shared his contact information, said it would really benefit you if, if you got in touch with these people when you made it to Lake Charles. Went to church Sunday, comes back, they're pulling out of the RV park, the revival had ended, they're leaving Monday morning, and when he stops at the gate to pay, the gentleman says, sir, did you, did you hear what happened to the man in the trailer next to you? He said, no, what? He said he pulled out and just got a few miles down the road and went into the gas station to fuel up. And when he came out of the gas station, he noticed the door on his trailer was open. And he walked in and there was a man in the middle of robbing them and turned around and pulled a pistol and shot him at point blank range. And Brother Morgan said, I had lived with the burden of that vision for years but when God let me meet the man who slipped through my fingers into an eternity without God, he said it changed me. There comes a point when eloquent words don't do it. We, we really just need a, a burden to change us. God, help us. Oh, God. Come on, somebody, would you just lift up your voice right now? We're not trying to pray away this burden. We need to pray into this burden. God, we want that weight to settle deep into our hearts for our own souls, for the souls of our family, for the souls of this city and county. For the souls of the world. 
Atamo konderebe asandori akaye alamahashondori amakaye. Oh God, forgive us when we've been carnal. When carnal thoughts and carnal mentalities have blinded us to obvious need. When carnality has distracted us from spiritual opportunity. Father, I'm asking that you would forgive us. That you would move us from complacency. That you would shake us with the burden of eternity. That you would help us see with eyes of compassion and feel with the love of God. Come on church, would somebody just lift up your voice. Come on, you heard a word from the Lord from the heart of our first lady. 24 years, next month they came. Why have they stayed? Why have they persevered? Why have they fought? Because of burden. God, let it get on us. God, let it move through the body. Let every member share the burden. Let every family share the burden. Hamondo beye kanderebe be asoto konde alamaha. Haye katandori alamaha shoto ramanda alamahaya. Oh God. Oh God. Come on, that's it. The hour is still early. I wish somebody would just push into that prayer, pray into that burden. Pray into that burden. Oh God. Oh God. God, I still remember it. I remember being an 18-year-old boy coming home feeling like I'd missed the rapture. I know they want to call it rapture anxiety, but it was a fear of God. It was knowing that your love was trying to draw me, but my carnality was rejecting it. God, it was that burden of eternity that pulled me out of sin. God, it was that burden. Oh God, I pray you would put it deep in our hearts right now. Deep into our hearts, let it form our family calendars. Let it change how we spend our money, how we plan our vacations, how we live our lives. God, let no area of our life be untouched or unturned by the burden and the crushing weight of eternity. Oh, God Almighty, we need you. We need you. Amando ke atando riala mahasho konderere amanda ye. Hiondo bo satande ikoto riala mahasho korabaha. Oh God. Ma yebo sanda ha ye anamando ikandala maha ye kotore masha.
Oh, God. I love you. And if pastor calls me after service and rebukes me, I'll receive it. But God forgive us that we have not responded more than we have. It's stirring in you, but you got to let it out. You've got to stop trying to contain it. You've got to stop trying to fight it. You've got to let that burden dictate some decisions. You've got to let that burden change course. Come on, if you're feeling it, I would to God, you would just let it out right now. It it might come out as a a cry unto the Lord. It might come out in intercession or travail. But you need to let that burden flow through you right now. Stir us, God. Shake us, Lord, from earthly comfort and from complacency. Shake us from carnally induced thoughts and wayward ideas. Give us a spiritual mind, spiritual eyes. Increase our spiritual sensitivity. Yes, God. Break up that fallow ground that resists the seed of the Word. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Let it flow. Come on, let that burden take inventory of your life. Inventory of your planning, inventory of your thoughts. Oh, Jesus. Yes, yes, God. Purge us of everything unlike You. Purge us of everything unlike You. Everything contrary to Your kingdom. Everything against Your nature.
Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. share two two words of direction and then we're going to pray again and let you be dismissed if you're here tonight in and you have not made assurance of your eternity there's only one way Jesus said in John 3 except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God Nicodemus, not understanding, said, Well, can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, Okay, let me explain it with more clarity. Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This means unless, except, there's no other way someone is born of water, which was to be baptized and born of the Spirit, which was to receive the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's not a popular message in 2023, but I would tell you there is exclusivity in the kingdom. It's not an exclusivity of social class or skin color or what language you speak, but of any other way. So I tell you tonight, if you are here and you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, you will not go to heaven without that. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, just like it happened in the Bible, you cannot get to heaven without it. But to we who have been born again and are part of the church, I would say that's one of the most dangerous things to do is to tolerate voices that have a nature contrary to God. You know, if the serpent's first words to Eve were a blatant act of disobedience, I would venture a guess she probably would have had enough discernment to turn the other direction. But sometimes we tolerate voices that we deem neutral, or innocent. But I would tell you, if you see with the eyes of the Spirit, 
you may realize that even though they speak things that seem harmless, they channel a nature that is very dangerous. And so sometimes we can allow voices into our world through relationships, through media, through the songs we listen to, the movies we watch, what we follow on social media. We tolerate it because it may seem neutral or harmless. But I would tell you, the words or the presentation may be, but the nature may not be. God give us the spiritual discernment to know the things that are contrary to His nature. We will not become godly tolerating things that are ungodly. And so in the beginning, when the earth was without form, and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, that without form, it literally means it it was confusion, it was emptiness. How did God deal with it? His spirit moved, and His word spoke. And what did the word do? The word created, but creation did what? It brought separation between light and darkness, between the heavens and the earth, between the water and the land. I'm challenging us tonight to take what God has been speaking to us over the past four weeks and what God will continue to speak to us in our private devotion and let the Spirit and the Word do what it has been doing since creation. Let the Spirit move and let the Word divide. Let it draw some lines. That's what margin is. Margin is not just empty space. It's defined space. And you need the Word. I'm talking to somebody in the Holy Ghost right now. You can throw an apple at me after, but I'm telling you what God's talking to me about right now. You need to let the Word draw some lines in your life. If you don't, you will tolerate things that come looking neutral with a nature unlike God. And sometimes by the time you realize that you've been tolerating something you shouldn't, it's too late. God help us. One more time, would you lift your hands? Lord Jesus, I'm praying over our church family. When Pastor started this series four weeks ago, he rose to this pulpit on a Wednesday night and said in his 24 years, this would be perhaps the most comprehensive teaching he had ever done. We've covered from the simplicity of organizing and cleaning our homes to considering our eternity and the task for which you have called us. You have spoke wide and you have spoke deep, God. I'm praying now that the Spirit would bring wisdom and revelation, that it would inspire God-ordered application direction to every area of our lives. Before you'll give us eternity, you'll test us with time. Before you give us the true riches of your glory, you're going to test us with money. So I pray the burden that we feel right now would work through the personal calendar of every family in this church. I pray it would work through the pocketbook of every family of this church. We're not just living for this world, God. 
It's not about our vacation or another car or more stuff. I'm praying, Lord, that the Spirit would inspire God-directed thoughts of how we are to take what you have said over the past four weeks and make life-altering decisions in our families for the betterment of New Life Fellowship and what you have called us to do in Terre Haute and Vigo County and for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm asking this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Would you just give the Lord praise before we're dismissed here tonight? Jesus, we thank you. We love you. Look, before you walk out, pastor told me I was supposed to introduce Sister Tammy. And then she told me in the office she didn't want an introduction. But I did write an introduction. And this is what it said. She's full of faith, always praying for others in the altar. She's classing, classy and caring. She loves deeply. She teaches consistently. She is kind but firm. And whatever the Lord has given her to say, we want to hear it and we commit to receive it. I didn't read it when she started because she asked me not to give her a big introduction. She was kind, but God was firm, and we receive it in Jesus' name.